welcome. Welcome to this day and to this gathered community of Kensington Unitarians here on Zoom. Our Unitarian movement, it welcomes all people of goodwill who seek a faith to guide our steps, to stir our hearts and to challenge our thinking. We value spiritual exploration. We value the power of community to help build a fairer world. And we value making time and space for connection. Connections within ourselves, connections with one another, and connections with that which we hold to be of greatest worth. So let's take a moment to sense all of those connections now in life. As I light our chalice flame, this symbol of our worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist faith, may it remind us of the oneness from which all else unfolds. One people living one life on this, our one planet Earth home. Now, if you are here for the first time with us on Zoom today, a particular welcome to you. And if we've not met before, my name is Sarah Tinker, and I retired over a year ago now as minister with this congregation, and I'm enjoying these opportunities to stay in touch. I hope you all find something of value uh, in the service today. And if you are a regular here, well, thank you. Thank you for all you do to build our sense of togetherness. Even on Zoom, we are helping to co-create this sacred space, this community. And a welcome also to all of you who might be reading or watching or listening to a podcast of this service sometime in the future. So whoever you are, however you are right now, whatever has brought you here, know that you are welcome and welcome just as you are. Now let's take a moment to breathe that welcome in and to acknowledge that we can belong here, whatever that means for us. Now, as we always say, feel free to do whatever you need to do to be comfortable this hour. It is lovely to see all our faces in the gallery view and to have a sense of togetherness in this digital world. But, but we know some people prefer to keep their camera mostly off and that is fine. Similarly, there'll be opportunities to join in as we go along, but there's no compulsion to do so. Today's service has a theme of the generosity of a window. The generosity of a window. And we'll be exploring life's gifts and generosity to us, thinking about gratitude and how it can boost our spirits. And so let's focus for a moment on the light and the warmth of this candle flame as I read a few words from a poem that we're going to hear later on in the service. It's by Pat Schneider and she writes, I've been thinking about the patience of ordinary things. How clothes 
wait respectfully in closets, and soap dries quietly in the dish, and towels drink the wet from the skin of the back, and the lovely repetition of stairs. And what is more generous than a window? Thank you. I have a, a strange question to ask on a really lovely warm spring day. And the question is, have you ever been very cold? I, I was talking with some friends a while back um, about when we were young and well, and how cold it used to be. It, it, in those days, long, long, long ago now, it was so cold that you used to get these things called chillblains on your fingers and toes and they really itched when you were very cold and then you warmed yourself up in front of a fire. I don't know if chillblains is something that other people have experienced. Is it just us from up north? I don't know. Give us a wave if you've had a chillblain experience. Ah, oh, yes. But What's interesting is that people don't seem to get chillblains anymore, although I, I can be put right on this at the end of the service. And I wonder if your parents used to say to you, don't itch, stop scratching, you'll only make it worse. And even though I knew they were right, I just couldn't stop myself. I've been really cold as an adult, and, and perhaps you have too. There have been times when I've attempted to sleep outdoors without the proper kit without a tent or a sleeping bag. And I've had that feeling of I need to stay awake because it would be scary to fall asleep. I might freeze. With fuel prices and price rises so very much in the news these days, I, I know that some of you will have had times when you've not switched on a heater because you fear the next fuel bill will be too high. So I suppose that's an addition to that question of mine about being cold. It, it's a suggestion that, that people do reach out to others if we find ourselves worrying about fuel bills, because I hope in our community there are people who can help. And I know that some of you are the kind of people who give warm clothes each winter to people who need them. And that's the message of this reading now. This reading is about coats and socks and sharing what we have. It's called A Mother's Socks and it's by Geoffrey Lockwood. And he writes, once upon a time, a thief snuck into the room of a sleeping Buddhist monk. As the, as the burglar rummaged about, the monk awoke. The startled thief ran into the snowy streets with the monk racing after him. Please stop, the monk called. And the man finally did, realizing that his pursuer was no threat. You'll need this, the monk gasped, handing the thief his own coat. What do you mean, the man asked. Ah, oh, the monk said, I saw that you dashed away from my room into the cold without so much as a winter wrap. And I realized that I have both a woolen blanket and a coat. Now, having heard this implausible tale of sainthood years ago, Geoffrey Lockwood writes, I forgot the details, but remembered the essential events. 
ordinary people can't be morally compelled to make such extraordinary sacrifices. But for whatever reason, perhaps the sheer absurdity of such unconditional altruism, this parable stuck with me. It rattled around in my skeptical mind until the, wife, the day my wife played the role of the Buddhist monk. Nan and I headed into the mountains for a day of skiing with our children, who were four and six at the time. In the chaos of packing up that morning, we'd forgotten our daughter's mittens. The wind was whipping and mercury hovered in the teens, so no mittens meant no skiing. But for Nan, the solution was as obvious as it was simple. She always wore two pairs of socks, so she removed the outer layer and pulled them over Erin's hands. The problem solved, we headed down the trail. I found her approach rather clever, the sort of practical, motherly thinking that often eludes my analytical mind, but hardly heroic. However, the bitter cold and the woolen warmth evoked the parable of the monk's coat. And among those snow-hushed pines, I remembered how the dialogue ended. I don't understand, the thief said. Ah, it's simple, the monk answered. You have nothing at all to keep you warm. But you're a fool to give away your coat, leaving you with only a blanket, the man replied, reaching for the garment. Ah, the monk replied. If I had two gloves on one hand and none on the other, would I be a fool to put one of them on my bare hand? The monk asked, and the man said nothing, took the coat and hurried down the street. And Geoffrey Lockwood finishes with this important line. When we are not alienated, when love draws us into the suffering of others, when we see our happiness entwined in their well-being, then generosity is neither foolish nor heroic. It is simply the most obvious choice. So let's take that um, story of altruism into a time of reflection and prayer. Let's rest a while now together and align ourselves with all that we hold to be of greatest worth. Those unknown dimensions of life and love within which our little lives are enacted. Let's take a moment to find a way to be prayerful in our bodies and our minds. The story of a monk who runs after a thief to give them a coat may make us smile with its absurd generosity. And perhaps it can remind us also of the absurdity of possession itself. In a world where a few have so much and the many have so very little. I invite you, if you wish, to feel an inner gratitude for that which you do possess in life, absurd though it may be.
still. Let us be people of gratitude for what we have. Both possessions we could buy and possessions that are priceless. Our inner nature, our skills, our bodies, our friendships and loves. Let us sense gratitude for all who share with us their material wealth, their time, their insights and practical skills. Let's be grateful for our own experiences in life, our strengths and our vulnerabilities. Knowing that sharing is the way that our human world works best. Knowing that sharing is the way of nature that gives so much such great abundance. Knowing that only human foolishness would try to control freely given resources of air and water and space and nature's fruits. When we feel a meanness come upon us, as most of us do from time to time, when we want to withhold or only look after ourselves or our little group, may we find ways through to a new level of giving, a greater generosity, an understanding that when we care for another, we care for ourselves. When we share with others, we give to ourselves. But this is the great cycle that is life of, of giving and receiving in an ongoing circle of generosity for one and for all. And in a few moments of shared quiet, I invite you now to speak inwardly the prayers and cares of your heart that the issues you're carrying in your own life, the cares you have for others, be they close to you or people you have heard of in the news, or the greater troubles of our world with all its complexities and shocking events. And may the prayers of our hearts be matched by the actions of our hands in reaching out to those in need, this day and all days. 
and to that aspiration, let us say, if we so wish. Amen. So may it be. So it's time for our first hymn now. Friday last week was um, Earth Day. Earth Day is a, um, an international reminder to protect the environment, restore damaged ecosystems, and to live a more sustainable life. So to mark Earth Day and its laudable aims, I've chosen two hymns today that have a strong eco-spirituality theme for all of us who find spiritual nourishment in the natural world. And this first hymn is called We the God Creator. It's going to be sung to a different tune from the one we usually sing. I think it's a rather hauntingly beautiful French carol tune, this one. See what you think. The words will appear on our screens in a moment and we'll all be safely muted, I think. So do feel free to join in and sing or simply sit back and listen if you'd rather. And I suggest let's ponder on the words and the image that we are all called to be co-weavers, but that sometimes we break the web rather than mend it. This is a, a reading titled More Than We Deserve by Robert R. Walsh. 
And, uh, and in this short piece, Unitarian Universalist Minister Robert Walsh plays with the idea of what we have done to deserve this. He thinks of the composer Johann Sebastian Bach's music. He thinks of spring flowers and lovers, and he sees them all as unearned gifts in life. Gifts that we can only appreciate and be grateful for. I wonder what unearned gifts in life you are appreciating at, the, at this moment. And he goes on and writes, I heard the second Brandenburg concerto played in honour of Bach's 300th birthday and I was swept away. I remembered a story about the people who send messages into outer space. Someone suggested sending a piece by Bach. The reply came, but that would be bragging. Some say we get what we deserve in life, but I don't believe this. We certainly don't deserve Bach. What have I done to deserve the second Brandenburg concerto? I have not been kind enough. I have not done enough justice. I have not loved my neighbour or myself sufficiently. I have not praised God enough to have earned a gift like this. Life is a gift we have not earned and for which we cannot pay. There is no necessity there be a universe. No inevitability about a world moving toward life and then self-consciousness. There might have been nothing at all. Since we have not earned Bach or crocuses or lovers, perhaps the best we can do is express our gratitude for the undeserved gifts and do our share of the work of creation. Thank you, John, for that reading. Um, it's one of those readings that you know, I've been using for decades. It just seems to say something about our lives and yeah all that we're given i don't know about you but often with readings and poetry certain lines really kind of capture my imagination and um this poem that i'm going to use to take us into a time of meditation um has this line the generosity of a window and it just has so much in it, that, doesn't it? And um, so I think after reading that in the poem, I, I started looking at windows. I'm amazed how many photos of windows I have. So um, in the meditation, we're going to be looking at a, um, a series of photos of windows and listening to some music. But 
first of all, I invite you to get yourselves comfy because I'm going to read the poem and then um, we will um, be watching the video and going into silence. So just do what you need to do to be comfy for these next few minutes. Maybe take one of those lovely um, deep belly breaths. Uh, just a conscious breathing out, allowing some of the tension that we inevitably carry in life to, to leave us for a while. And I wonder if any of these images in Pat Schneider's poem um, resonate with you. She writes, It is a kind of love, is it not? How the cup holds the tea, how the chair stands sturdy and four-square, how the floor receives the bottoms of shoes or toes, how soles of feet know where they're supposed to be. I've been thinking about the patience of ordinary things, how her clothes wait respectfully in closets and Soap dries quietly in the dish, and towels drink the wet from the skin of the back. And the lovely repetition of stairs. And what is more generous than a window? So we are going to move now into five minutes of meditative time. And... Um, We'll be looking at some photos of windows. There will be music by Schumann played beautifully for us, uh, by Peter Cockford and Benji Del Rosario. And that music will um, end with two minutes in silence.
I hope the uh, generosity of those windows spoke to you in some way, that beautiful sound of Schumann's music. The, um, the Buddha apparently named generosity as the first of the 10 perfected qualities of an enlightened mind. 10 perfected qualities of an enlightened mind. And I immediately then start thinking what the other nine might be. So answers on a postcard, please, afterwards. And St. Augustine advised his followers to discover what being generous means and begin living it. Generosity towards others, it's, it's a universal principle for humanity, which is hardly surprising, is it, for social creatures like us? Altruism, caring for others, it's a way to survive and prosper. We humans need one another. But our generous urges are shaped by our upbringing, by our social setting. In the face of seemingly overwhelming needs of others, we, we can shut down, we can limit our awareness, we draw circles around those we include in our awareness and those we exclude. And when we explore this concept of generosity a little more deeply, all sorts of interesting issues emerge. I wonder what your thoughts are about these. I, I blessed a baby recently, the sweetest of babies, uh, a precious child, long awaited and born into a loving circle of family and friends. And whenever I take part in such a ceremony, I'm always aware in the back of my mind of all the other babies being born into our world. Some born into circumstances so far from ideal. Some loved, but in places where there are not enough resources to go round. Some, some born into hatred, some born with problems that their society cannot help with. We could go on, couldn't we, with that list. There's something about life's sometimes unstoppable generative qualities that can overwhelm me at times. I want all life to be precious, and yet there is too much to care for at times. Now I'm retired and a woman of leisure, I'm finally getting to explore the Kent countryside, the Garden of England it's sometimes called. Such rich farmland and gently rolling hills, perfect land for growing apples and grapes. I was surprised to see how many apples had been left on the trees from autumn. But a friend I was with said that's quite common. The trees bear such large crops that the farmers don't bother picking the apples that ripen a bit later than the others. Nature is so very abundant, isn't it? And yet so many know hunger in our world. We experience extremes of abundance and scarcity in life as a whole, and of course in our own individual private lives. And these are themes that are really worthy of exploration, I think, for many of us. Because I think many of us have complexities about excesses and shortages, about, about greed and desire, about consumption in all its forms. Our little quirks may go back to early experiences when our life attitudes are shaped. As a, as a little example, I suggest just don't try sharing a bag of chips with me. Being brought up in a family of five children and a dog, competition for chips was fierce. 
but generosity it's not just about letting people eat your bag of chips is it it's not just about the giving and receiving of material things there's there is a generosity in listening there's a generosity in making time to be with another we can be generous with our presence we can be generous by recognizing another human being we can be generous in our patience to those we find difficult we can give one another the benefit of the doubt or hold back our judgments for once and generosity well it requires doesn't it both givers and receivers life may orient us more towards one or the other but well we would do well to practice both giving and receiving during the journeys of our lives for life itself will no doubt present us with ample opportunities for both and we might as well be ready and we might as well face up to the realities that generosity sounds like a jolly good thing and it sometimes isn't the best of intentions well they can go horribly wrong author linda harper explores how we may give with an expectation of something in return she re she describes this outcome-based giving outcome-based giving as stemming from traders martyrs and controllers and she says that we have something of each of those in us all traders give but expect something back keeping a tally in relationships martyrs ignore their personal needs in order to please others but can then feel annoyed when their sacrifices go unnoticed controllers give but want certain results in return and they feel like failures if the world isn't changed by their efforts so linda harper suggests instead that we give freely joyously with no expectations so i invite us all to spend time exploring our inner traders martyrs and controllers is there some out outcome-based giving in your life that you could let go of now and even when we give without strings well it may not be for the best sometimes asking the question well how may i help may allow someone to reveal needs that we could not have imagined another opportunity to put our assumptions to one side i don't know about you but i still want to live in a world where we are encouraged to ask one another for help encouraged to voice our needs not wait for someone else to magically read our minds and guess what we need most and let's remember those connections between generosity and gratitude it seems to me that thankfulness connects giving and receiving receiving and giving and the more we notice and express our gratitude the more life's abundance and generosity flows some of us have spent lent as part of a congregational whatsapp gratitude group sharing something we were grateful for each day it was really touching to receive these daily glimpses into one another's lives and so i ask each of us now to think of something we feel grateful for at this time and maybe we can share those with one another over an online coffee time after the service my gratitudes through lent were so often a response to the natural world in springtime i did think that it's surely worth going through winter each year to arrive once more in spring amen 
So we get to sing our second hymn today. And this one's been written by a Unitarian musician in Glasgow called Leanne Mitchell. It is lovely to sing a hymn written by someone I know. And it's sung for us by David Kent of, of Leicester Unitarians, who does a great job of providing us Unitarians with music. And he's a good friend of our Essex Church congregation. Feel free to sing along with him or simply enjoy the words and images and music. We're all going to be muted. Again, I chose this hymn to connect us with Earth Day and with the Celtic Festival of Beltane that we'll be celebrating here next week. It expresses, I think, our intimate interconnection with the Earth on which we live our days. Spirit of earth, root, stone, and tree, water of life flowing in me, keeping me stable, nourishing me, oh, fill me with living energy. Spirit of nature, healing and free. Spirit of love, expanding in me. Spirit of life, breathe deeply in me. Inspire me with living energy. Spirit of love, Softly draw near, open my heart, lessen my fear, sing of compassion, help me to hear, oh fill me with loving energy. Spirit of nature, healing and free. Spirit of love expanding in me, Spirit of life breathe deeply in me, inspire me with living energy. Spirit of life, you are my song, sing in my soul all my life long gladden and guide me keep me from wrong oh fill me with sacred energy spirit of nature healing and free spirit of love expanding of life breathe deeply in me inspire me with living energy inspire me with living energy lovely song.
Uh, so some announcements now. Uh, my thanks go to John Davis and John Humphreys for hosting today's Zoom gathering. Much appreciate them both because without them we'd have been staring at a blank screen. Thanks to Benji Del Rosario and Peter Crockford for lovely music. Thanks to all of you for being here and um, do stay at the end of the service. If you have time, you can get a cup of something, join us for a chat. Um, other announcements, I'll be here again next Sunday's service when the West London Green Spirit Group will be leading our celebration of the Celtic Festival of Beltane. Those of you who know a bit about Beltane may know of its traditions of naked rolling on the spring grass and jumping over bonfires, but be assured we'll all be fully clothed throughout. Speaking of bodies, two congregation members have classes to invite us to. Hannah is offering Monday tea time yoga classes online, and Sonia offers Nia dance classes both online and in person at the church. They're both great teachers and their classes are accessible to everyone. Jane Blackall, our ministry coordinator, is taking a well-earned holiday. The heart and soul sessions continue online and they're a great opportunity to connect more deeply with others. The church coffee mornings continue online on Tuesday mornings at 10.30. Great conversation is guaranteed. Um, a social outing is planned um, by me and Carolyn Appleby to the Stonehenge exhibition at the British Museum on the 11th of May. Tickets are £20 each, but we may have some free tickets or reduced price ones, so don't let the price put you off, but get in touch with us if you'd like to come. And we're going to have some closing words now, followed by music from Peter and Benji, inviting us to think of our favourite things. So you might like to go to gallery view now for the closing words so that we can see one another. I extinguish the light of our chalice flame, but not the warmth of this community. Let's take that back out into a world that is so in need of warmth and care. James Morrison writes, within each of our hearts, there is the most glorious light. Go forth and let its spark help you understand what troubles both you and others. Go forth and let its light of reason be a guide in your decisions. Go forth and bring its ray of hope to those in need of help in both body and spirit, that they may find healing. Go forth and fan the flames of passion to help heal our world. Go forth and spread the warm glow of love, pushing back the coldness of the world. Go forth and express your gratitude for life's many generosities. Go forth and share your glorious light with the world. Amen. Go well, everyone, and blessed be.